On Black Friday 2022, online retail sales broke 2020's pandemic-fueled record, reaching a new record of $9.12 billion. That's up from $8.92 billion in 2021, according to Adobe Analytics, that bases its estimates on a trillion visits to U.S. retail sites. For the entire holiday season, Digital Commerce 360 projected online holiday sales to grow 6.1% in 2022 alone. As e-commerce continues its ascent in the world of retail and as new adjacent technologies such as mobile, social commerce, and even mixed and augmented reality continue to unfold, the need for better product visualization will only continue to grow. If you want to know what it's like to be on the bleeding edge of a paradigm and to motivate teams to continue to innovate and push the boundaries of possibility, talk to James Townsend, our innovator today on Of Note. I'm Kim Chris, Director of SC Tech and Cybersecure SC at the South Carolina Council on Competitiveness. And I'm Joseph Nutter, co-founder of Design Sensory and PopFiz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on business and creativity, entrepreneurship and leadership, failure and growth, and so much more. My name is James Townsend. I'm the Vice President of Product Development here at Doppel XR. So Doppel is focused on 3D product experiences for clients that are seeking to enhance their online commerce experiences for their consumers. Doppel really focuses on 3D visualization technologies that we all should be fairly familiar with. I think most of us have, have come and have encountered these. So if you go online and you're looking for a product and that product has choice, it has some customization to it and you need to explore and discover that product. The 3D visualization experience is the new and unique way to do that that allows clients, our clients, to communicate effectively what their product offering is to their, to their consumers. So you wanna pick out a phone, but you don't know what size or what color options that you want. You have the ability to really see the product in 3D. You can cycle through all of those varying options uh, and choices and get a, a good sense of that product before you make your buying decision. It's really valuable for our clients because it, it engages the consumers more, uh, gives them the experience that they demand. It's no longer just a product, but it's really an experience by which they are a part of it. And the discovery helps communicate better what the product is uh, to the consumer as they make those choices. Uh, and then ultimately they feel better about the purchases that they're making. Um, we see that clients return products less or consumers return products less because they're more confident with the buy because they engage with that product through the selling experience on online. We're only four months in and we've actually um, seen some really great branded clients uh, come through that are looking for these experiences. And, and these clients are typically in luxury goods, furniture, sporting goods. These are areas where specifically consumers demand a higher level of discovery of the product and a better experience with the product before they purchase. There are a lot of other verticals that are of extreme interest to us as well, of course. Anything that's dealing with automotive, any, any sort of uh, mechanical products, uh, ATVs, bicycles, motorcycles, etc. Those are all built around communities of individuals. Uh, and, and what I mean by communities of individuals are, if you're a cyclist, you are fanatical about your product. You're, you're, you're fanatical about your choice of 
your bicycle and the customization that you have, your gears, your colors, your uh, all the interactions that you have when you make that product selection uh, are things that you're really going to spend time discovering and looking uh, and and sharing with your friends and and deeply understanding you know that choice before you make it and make a purchase, which could be several thousand dollars. That is something that you know consumers demand now, and it's something that you could typically only get if you were in a showroom. And I think that's something that is not as possible, you know, through just inventory challenges that clients have, you know, keeping stock in showrooms so that you can actually see the products. And then also just the the overhead that's involved in in maintaining large inventory at a storefront is is challenging. So 3D experiences on the web are the new norm when it comes to engaging with product uh, versus the storefront experience. Doppel is on top of an emerging consumer-focused product trend. The thriving company employs a number of 3D artists and is nestled happily in the Charleston Technology Center. But James actually began his journey and his relocation to Charleston when starting up a medical device company with a family member. It wasn't until later that he joined the tech field with a company called Atlatl, which would ultimately lead him back to Doppel. We previously were known as Atlatl Software, and then through understanding of the market, understanding of our customers, we decided to make a shift, both in terms of how people know us, but also how we want to be known uh, to the market and what our product and services is. When I joined with Atlatl, uh, the company was about 40 people as well, so pretty early stage seed money level startup, trying to get its footing with its product, trying to figure out what its product was. It had matured somewhat from a custom developed software shop into more of a product productized uh, offering. Uh, how do we actually get a product out to as many of the clients as possible? But there were still some things that were missing with the business model in terms of how we were engaging with clients. So clients that we were working with had very complex products. These complex products would often take many months to understand. Clients would often tell us even that their onboarding process for new employees could take you know six months, nine months, a year uh, before someone was really able to, to work with their product. So we struggled with the same challenges of trying to work with these clients and understand their product to create these 3D visualization experiences that supported how they needed to go to market with it, whether that be through their sales channel or whether that be direct to consumer. And that challenge is real and that challenge still exists for those types of companies. And it was one of the reasons that we decided to, to pivot our company towards Doppel. Doppel's more focused on consumer experiences and it's more focused on experiences that, that we all have every day when we're shopping on product online, engaging with products and a web experience, you know, storefronts, et cetera, as well. James moved toward marketability, but even still, that doesn't mean 3D isn't still a challenging technology, but he's worked hard to help people see the value of 3D assets. Scale is a really important point with a product like this. This is something that we really work with our clients on as well. The transition to 3D digital assets is something that a lot of brands are, are, if they're not looking at it now, they should be, but a lot of them have already started the process. So scaling is something that our clients are thinking about every day when it comes to being able to, to take imagery of their products. The traditional methods of photography, the traditional methods of Doing photo shoots every time a product were to come out, uh, a new season of a product is available, gets very expensive. It's also something that consumes a lot of time, has special equipment. 3D digital assets are really changing the game there, uh, allowing artists to create that 3D asset in a way that allows it to scale in the future. You know, should it be like a model year that 
changes ever so slightly, or if it's an entirely new product to digitize that, to create that in a 3D space allows them to leverage that 3D asset in, in a multitude of ways uh, for product marketing purposes, for, for video, for, for still shots that need to happen, for websites, et cetera. But there, there are a multitude of ways in which our clients are looking to leverage that data. And that's one of the main benefits of scale is once you have that 3D asset, you could deploy it for a multitude of different uses as well. James is leading the 3D charge for many, but did he think he'd be here also leading a team and a company? I think this is a truth of engineering in general and for engineers that are coming out of school, you are probably not going to be doing what you think you are going to be doing, you know, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road. There's so much opportunity as an engineer to explore different areas of the business, to explore different areas of product and different spaces, different verticals. Um, and it was not that dissimilar for myself. Um, I, I came in to the organization, just wanted to solve problems, right? So as, as folks realized that I was one of the individuals that was willing to to jump into just about any problem, uh, strive to solve it, strive to innovate against it. That definitely took me into different areas of the business. It got me exposed to problems that were beyond just engineering problems, but business process challenges, managerial challenges, even, you know, how to organize people, how to lead change within a business. Companies are changing constantly. Their, their personnel need to be led through that change, especially as products are changing or as the market is changing, the company is changing with that. So transitioning into the management role was not really intentional. It just, it felt like it was more organic and it felt like it just happened because of the, the natural need to just lead these individuals through these, these changes. And James believes the key to leading an innovative forward-thinking team is simple, maintain momentum. The key is momentum. Um, you have to maintain momentum within the team. It's very easy to stall out and feel like you've got a good solution and you, you wanted to make small steps on that, but you have to make pretty broad leaps continually to keep the momentum that's necessary to stay on the curve, not even ahead of the curve, but just on the curve in an innovative or an emerging technology such as we're in. We group our work in ways that it, it forces a cadence of innovation and it forces a cadence of momentum. And you're setting goals on very clear timelines, typically just a few weeks ahead. We need to achieve this. Team, let's go. And then, you know, let the team have the innovative freedom and the framework uh, that allows them to solve that problem in that space. The other aspect to it as well is it's energy our force, if you want to call it, but you know, we, we talk about this a lot uh, within our team, but how do you, how do you constantly keep the edge moving? This is, it's, it's easy to do work, right? It's easy to just create software, do tickets, whatever it may be, but to actually continue to push the edge, that's something that requires a lot of thought um, and forethought from a product leadership perspective. So staying contemporary with what's out there in the market, knowing what your competitive landscape is as well, but keeping the teams really engaged towards new problems, new solutions constantly is really uh, important. One thing that I always tell the team is if you feel stuck, you don't need to necessarily make a big leap, you know, just wiggle a little bit, find a way to kind of get get out of whatever you know you're stuck in and see if you can free yourself up and sometimes it's just the right conversation at the right time with the right person can do that sometimes it's just it could be taking a break for uh, a bit of time and then coming back to the problem as well but 
typically that'll help regain the momentum. You know, if, if innovation is a flywheel, you want to keep that flywheel moving. You don't want it to slow down because it is very hard to get it going again and spin it back up. When it comes to finding the people for these teams, we're a little bit privileged, I would say, as a company in terms of we're working on very advanced tech. A lot of folks want to work in advanced tech. So we do get a lot of interest around AR, VR technologies, 3D technologies. Folks want to come work on those. Um, and, and in a world now where employees are, are expressing more choice around who they work for, leaving jobs and choosing to go work for jobs for either purpose or passion. We do find that a lot of folks are, are interested in, in working in technologies like this because they have a passion for it. That's really important. And speaking from a product perspective, I wouldn't hire anybody who didn't have a passion for the type of work that we do. I think that in the past, the old adages of, you know, sellers have to really believe in their product to sell it well. You know, product has to really believe in the product to, to push it and, and, and innovate on it. It's no different with engineers. It's no different from really anyone. I just think the conversation's finally expanding such that folks are, are feeling that it's okay to talk about that. It's okay to express what their passion is. And if they're working for a company where they're not passionate about the product, they probably shouldn't work for that company. They need to go find something where they can find that passion or express their true passion as well. So individuals that have the passion are gonna find a home if they're willing to solve problems. You have to be smart, you have to be hardworking, you have to get along with others, that's table stakes. But the X factor, and it's not even really an X factor anymore, is you have to really believe and want to work on the product that the company is producing. And in a startup, there's no room for wallflowers. There's no room for folks that just want to be, uh, you know, a warm body in a chair. Uh, everyone has to contribute, and in ways that are probably beyond even what they uh, what they think they are capable of doing. And and that's part of what a startup brings out in individuals is is new ways of working. This podcast is part of Scribble. South Carolina's voice of innovation. We celebrate and support innovative activity across the state by connecting people to people. Visit scribblesc.com for exclusive interviews, tools, and resources. That's scribblesc.com. And in any startup, values are incredibly important. Doppel has several core values. One of the ones that we pride on ourselves on the most, I think, is collective ownership. As a company that's been newly founded, that's something that is extremely important for us. That's, that's responsibility towards our product, that's responsibility towards our customers, ownership of our business. That is something that is expressed probably more than any other value. We have a great system internally of which we can ex we can highlight the values that others are expressing through kind of a kudos or a high five process. That's really valuable because it allows folks to really decide why an individual did something great and what value they really expressed. And collective ownership is one that comes up very frequently. Candor is also very important. Um, as I mentioned, you know, when you're trying to, to keep things moving forward, things that go unspoken, things that are, you know, the risk either in development or where you potentially have blind spots in your, your marketing plan, your go-to-market, those things have to be out there in the open. You have to talk about them. You have to be actively solving 
those problems. You cannot be hiding from them or you will fail. This is something that is really important and why we brought that directly into one of our core values as candor is the ability to speak professionally with someone, but over a difficult, challenging topic, maybe something that's not going well within the business, something that's not going well with the market as well. But what we haven't mentioned yet is that Doppel is actually a hybrid office. That is some remote and some in person with a highly flexible work from home policy. Distributed workforces have their own unique challenges, and we have tried at Doppel multiple modalities of working with a distributed workforce. We have a, a, a pretty broad team that works outside of the Charleston area that works remote, but we also have groups all over the world that we work with, uh, either with directly or through partnerships. And this is something that has definitely challenged us, uh, especially amidst coming through the pandemic now. How do we reincorporate effectively? but also how do we act in a very inclusive sense to all of those uh, varying groups. And one of the things that we've done more recently, which wasn't intuitive, uh, admittedly, is to incorporate those distributed groups more directly into our company discussions, not just you know, the work that's going on every day. There's collaboration that occurs every morning. There's stand-ups that the team is having every day to talk about the work that's being done. But one of the areas that we've brought them in more recently is our all-hands meetings, like really understanding the health of the business, where we are with clients, where we are relative to our company goals. And the feedback from that group has been really positive. Um, in fact, some would say that they feel more enlightened you know, to why they actually are working with us, feeling more passionate about the product that they're working on. And a lot of companies may feel fearful to open their doors and be that transparent with, with other groups that may not necessarily be direct employees of your company. But what we're finding is that it's essential uh, and we're, we're feeling the benefits of, of opening that transparency up even more you know, to those groups, to those distributed groups as well. And while that's great for employees, what about leadership? I would like to say that I've tried to maintain work-life balance, but it is, it's, it's a never-ceasing a never uh, balance to try to strive for. And I think as a manager, it's easy to say things in terms of you need to take time off, you need to look after your own well-being if I'm talking to an employee. It's not always easy to do it yourself. And I think that leading by example is something that is important. And it's something that we can also, I think all, all leaders could do a better job of in terms of what you say is also what you should be doing. So, you know, the empathy that you may show to others, the care, the compassion that a leader is expected to, to have for their workforce should also be the same care and compassion that they express to themselves and, and to their own home life. When it comes to stress, stress is one of those, it's an interesting and somewhat controversial topic um, because in a startup, there's always stress. You're always trying to, to get to the next day, to get to the next milestone. And that sense of, of responsibility is ever present. Uh, and that sense of responsibility is something that you feel even more because you know all the employees that are working with you, their jobs are on the line. You know, the, the product is on the line. Everything is on the line. So a certain level of stress is healthy because uh, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you thinking. It keeps you out front, um, anticipating. I use stress to anticipate, to play out scenarios in my mind of how things could go or potentially would go so that I can actually help the teams organize plans around how to mitigate or, or you know, find the right path through a challenge. So, you know, in that sense, it's, it's healthy. It's, it's a choice, you know, when you work for a company. 
that's constantly innovating, that's constantly trying to evolve and, and grow. But the balance, the, the reciprocation that, that has to be there against the stress is the opportunity to, to really take time for yourself you know, to disengage. We offer unlimited PTO, for example, and this is something that was, it's, it's strange in a sense that the studies actually show that when you offer that, people may take less PTO. So recently we've actually mandated a minimum PTO. Uh, so folks are required to take so much time off uh, every year just to try to balance against you know some of the some of the data that we've seen in terms of people taking time off and some folks do a great job of taking advantage of that and uh, we encourage that it's it's really exciting uh, we have a, a channel a slack channel in fact it's called vicarious vacations where people get to post pictures of all of their doings outside of of the office as they take time off and hopefully that encourages others to do the same and think about taking some time off for themselves we've been talking about tech culture for a few years now, maybe more, and really about how it creates a sense of play at work and should this be a culture that is um, adopted across other types of business verticals. And, and I think that this is a really good story for us to, to look at how a startup can create a space where talent can feel empowered and, and really bought in. We've been hearing the term quiet quitting a lot recently. And I think the antidote to that quiet quitting could be that our employees are looking for more. They're looking for a place where they're a contributor and where they feel empowered to be part of the process. And startups have a unique ability to give that to talent, right? You're part of a team that is truly building something and your contribution to that team is instrumental in the outcome. Uh, one of the other things that I think is a very interesting proposition is thinking about pairing our young talent who are looking for um, a big company or you know something empowering to be part of pairing them with our startups because they're in a growth stage of their career startups are in a you know growth stage of their um, company process and really there's kind of some magic that can happen with that synergy so i think that when we look at this story the things that stick out to me the most are how the employees here are being allowed to contribute ideas and feedback that really matters to them and to their environment. And I also really love how he talks about the unlimited leave. This is a great perk that I've even had the, you know, pleasure of experiencing in a tech workforce where you're allowed to manage your work-life balance, right? And take leave when you feel the need to take leave. But a lot of times you feel like you can't take the leave, even though it's unlimited. It's not there to take a week's vacation each month, right? It's there to, to make sure that you're able to unwind and then replug as you need to. But he talks about really making sure that the employees use this leave and allow themselves to become refreshed and then replugged in when they're ready. And I think that is something that helps create that magic of feeling like you matter.
being able to give your ideas, being able to create your purpose within an organization, and then also being cared for by that organization. And finally, what's next for Doppel? The opportunities are, are broad, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. This is something that is of, of extreme interest to us. I'm always looking for the practical applications of these technologies. There's a lot of hype, obviously, out there, uh, a lot of great words that we can help latch onto, but we're also responsible for helping make those words mean something you know, to our clients. So a client will come to us and they'll say metaverse, they'll say NFT, but they want to know why we think that it's important. We, they want to know why we're, we're focused on, on solving a problem that's aligned to that. The opportunities around 3D technologies, augmented reality, et cetera, are, are profound. And we're very early still with these technologies. And we're very thankful that a lot of the capabilities are being built directly into devices that we use every day. We think that that's one of the main critical mass points, if you will, is if you have these technologies available to consumers, developers will find ways to leverage them. And, and not in gimmicky ways, but in real practical applications that help businesses, help consumers. So as we look at the different ways that this technology will be leveraged. One that is exciting to us is more immersive experiences. And we've even been talking about web experiences and engaging with products in 3D and a web, and a web experience itself. But imagine as we think to things like metaverse, fully immersing yourself in an environment, fully immersing yourself into you know, a much more virtual reality uh, of sorts and having those products be present, having them being part of that overall experience. This is going to be just the norm uh, moving forward. Our companies that come to us are thinking about these strategies already. Uh, they may not have answers on how to do it. They may not even know how the technologies allow them to do it yet. But that's where we can help educate those clients and help them start that journey because we feel that everyone is going to have to ultimately take that journey. And that's what we want to be a part of. Um, and we may represent a small portion of the broader experience that they're trying to achieve today. But it's a great place to start because it's the part that's the most relevant for the consumer right now. I'm James Townsend, and those were my notes on innovation. Thanks for listening to Of Note. I'm Joseph Nutter. And I'm Kim Christ. This is an original production by the South Carolina Department of Commerce and Design Sensory. Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster, with additional editing support from Cody Langford. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering, with original music by Matt Honkinen. Special thanks to Robin Hendricks and Danny Netherland. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at ScribbleSC. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.